Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fluently Forward. Today on the podcast, we have Taylor Lorenz. I read her articles. I hadn't realized that it was her articles. And then I saw her on TikTok and I started following what she was writing about because if you are online in any capacity, which I guess nowadays is like, are you a human being with a pulse? You're probably online. And a lot of her articles cover tech, internet culture, different influencers, types of content that's trending, which I don't know. I'm fascinated by it. I think we all are. That's why we, you know, stay glued to our phone for eight hours every day. It's so sad. So some pieces that you might recognize Taylor from, she broke the news on Axel Weber. Trust me, I asked about him being a plant. I had to get to the bottom of the Axel Weber situation. She wrote the piece about the White House uh, briefing TikTokers about the situation in Ukraine, which you probably saw the SNL parody of that. And then she also covers other issues like... um, you know, what types of memes are trending and why, or you know how everyone was saying crop and story time in the TikTok comments? Why is that happening? Things like that. So we have a fun, pretty lengthy interview that I'm excited to get to. I ask her all about the ins and outs of internet culture, social media apps, different content creators that she's covered, Jake Paul, Axel Weber, girl with no job. And then we also do a little bit of blinds about reporters. So I know who would have thought that there's blinds on them. We go over some blinds on Tucker Carlson. (laughs) We go over some blinds on Julian Assange and also Elon Musk and how he likes to kind of fuck with the media sometimes. So without any further ado, here is my interview with Taylor Lorenz. Thank you so much, everyone. We have Taylor Lorenz on the podcast today. I just mentioned her at the beginning of the episode, but Taylor, could you give like a little bit of a background of who you are and specifically what you report on? Because I think it's it's probably the only section of a newspaper I would like ever read if I picked one up. That is really high praise. Um, <laughs> oh, other than the comics, but you know. Yeah. So I write about technology and culture. Um, I'm a columnist at the Washington Post right now. It's only my third week, but I was previously at the New York Times. I write about kind of I write about tech from the user side. So I write a lot about like big content creators, you know, some sort of Silicon Valley drama and just kind of like how people use technology, like how, yeah, like how it shapes the world around us and shapes our culture. Yeah. Which I feel like we're just living in such a world where like AI is coming up, machine learning is coming up. Like I feel like this vertical is going to be kind of like 50% of our world in probably the next 10 years. Some of the titles you've written about, why does everyone on the internet want to die? How suicide memes took over the web. Months before Vine's demise, its biggest stars plotted their escapes. And of course, I'll have questions later on different creators that you've covered. What kind of trends on the internet? I know that you kind of grew up on Tumblr. I definitely did too. Fluently Forward was actually my username on there. No way. Yeah. So I'm curious, like what type of social media app right now do you think is the biggest? Like I think Tumblr has had its rise and fall, but I'm curious to hear your standpoint. I mean, I think, well, numbers wise, obviously Facebook in the U.S. is more powerful, but I think obviously TikTok is sort of like where culture is right now. Um, It's kind of just like, it's very Tumblr-like where there's tons of niche communities, um, but also it's like doing things that leak out into the media and like really setting culture and music and entertainment. I I don't think Tumblr ever really hit the masses that way, but um, I I think it's, it's more about TikTok and YouTube now than anything. Yeah, everything's very, very video, video focused. Um, And I I don't know about you, but when I was on Tumblr, I almost feel like 
the words used and like the ideology and the narratives on Tumblr are kind of similar a little bit to TikTok. Some people are like, oh, very social justice warrior, eye roll. But then it's also some jokes and comments that will literally like make you laugh more than the video itself. Do you think there's a reason why these two social media apps are like so similar? I know I was thinking about that too because I totally there's like there was a TikTok I saw a while ago that was like if you lived through Tumblr in like 2014 like you've seen everything and um, I feel like they both really cater to like to like culture originators like the kind of weird people in these different communities or not to call them weird but you know like niche subcultures that really end up like bubbling up and setting trends and also just in terms of the discovery mechanism like tumblr you would really go down these rabbit holes or click on a tag and find new things um which was so different than like facebook or other platforms you know back in the early 2010s and tiktok obviously the whole thing is just like feeding you yeah. No. Well, I mean, TikTok Content. is like amazing and also horrible for the same reason. Like, I think most people probably live on the For You page. The algorithm is freakishly good. Um, but then it's also weird in a way knowing that like my face or your face could like pop up unconsensually on like someone's phone in their living room when they don't follow you. Do you think that other apps are going to start using something like the For You page as like the main feed that people look at? They 100% are. Um, It's funny. I wrote this piece today, or it went up today, about sort of um, content moderation and Mm -hmm. just the way that it's shaping language, which is people, you know, saying like unalive instead of dead and things like that. Um, And you see these algorithmic systems being more applied. You know, Instagram is pushing people towards the explore page more now. They're trying to put other content from people that you don't follow. I mean, it's actually, when you think about it, it's a really ineffective system to like rely on users to find people and then subscribe to their every piece of content. Like that's, that just feels like an archaic way of delivering. We have such smart AI now. Like I think every platform will move to that type of delivery system. Yeah, definitely. Because you have those apps, like you sign up for Twitter or like Medium and they're like, you can follow these people if you're interested in sports, but like everyone skips past. Nobody actually does that. And you're so right with like unalive instead of suicide. For me, the weirdest word replacement that I've seen on TikTok is porn with corn. And then I always wonder like, is a corn farmer, is their algorithm getting flooded with like random kink videos? And they're like, I don't know why. Like I subscribe to corn. Why is this popping up? (laughs) The real accountants are like... Huh. (laughs) Why are all these OnlyFans like tips? Like, I don't know, maybe I should get into it. Do you think that TikTok is going to keep monitoring those words? I find it so funny that they monitor certain words, but like people are still going to talk about it. They're just going to go around it. Why do you think they focus on like diminishing these videos and banning people? That was like my whole like story is just like this type of censor, like, oh, I hate to use the word censorship, but maybe algorithmic censorship is what you call it in the sense of like the the way they're trying to moderate, like just makes people kind of talk in increasingly like obscure ways. I think it's hard. I think that they, you know, I think TikTok learned a lot of lessons from the backlash against Facebook in terms of misinformation and like having bad content. So they, they, they have an aggressive moderation system that you know, I'm sure you've run afoul of, I don't know, I've definitely oh run afoul God, of. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just things get taken down more easily. Now that's really good in a lot of ways, but um, but I don't think it's like made TikTok much healthier. I mean, TikTok is still like, I don't think it's like significantly safer than YouTube. Um, 
Yeah, like I've know. had people tell me to go kill myself, but the I is an exclamation point. I'm exactly. like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, Progress. now it's just like, yeah, now it's an excitable thing. Um, and also like I have one friend who is a influencer here in the city and there was someone who was following her and they found out her address and they kept spamming her address in the comments. So she had to go into the filters and like put her address to make sure it didn't show up. And I do really like how TikTok has the ability, like I went in there one day, my parents were laughing. They say that back in the day when they did um like nanny net for like parental controls they had to sit down with a glass of a wine and put in like starting with a like all of the most obscene words and I did that for me I'm like fat slut ugly I'm like putting it all in there so I don't see it and I'm pretty sure other apps don't have features like that um, Instagram added it, um, okay. but the problem with TikTok's version of that is the max is 50 words, and I maxed that out immediately. <laughs> I could think of 50 words just using the letter A that I wouldn't want to yeah. see. And yeah, and when you try and account for all the misspellings, like... It's really, it's, it's, I don't know. They need to, they need to up that limit because people are so creative. They'll space the letters <laughs> yes. out. You know, if they want to say something, they're going to say it to you. There's, <laughs> there's no stopping it. A hundred, a hundred percent. And I think what also is interesting that, um, Twitter has like the reshare, you know, retweet button. Instagram doesn't really have something like that. You have stories, but on TikTok, you have those stitch features. So I find that really interesting because everyone knows our attention spans are getting shorter, but on TikTok, you can take like five seconds, like the five worst seconds of someone's video and then stitch it and have it misconstrue a completely different point. And I find that interesting where of course it gets good engagement, but it doesn't really make for good like information downloads. No, 100%. I mean, I think the information environment on TikTok is super broken. Um, Like, I definitely worry about the fact that people are just getting their news there because so much is so misleading. Um, I'm sure you saw, but like when all the Ukraine stuff happened, did you see all the video game footage that was being uploaded? Yeah, or footage from like 10 years ago. Yes. And like people on TikTok also, I think because of the nature of the platform and the fact that you're seeing people's faces and stuff, like they literally just default believe everything on the app. Like there's no, like, I don't know. I just feel like other places like Twitter, things would get shut down faster mm-hmm. and TikTok, they just kind of have their life of their own. There's like a lot of people that are like, well, seems true. Like the Wayfair thing, you know? Yes. Like that yeah. just went on so much longer and like got so much more traction than I think it would have on like Instagram or Twitter. Yes. And I'm like huge into all those like child trafficking. Like the Epstein thing had me in a chokehold. And I remember when I found that my sister-in-law, she works for um, Nicosi, the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. And I texted her immediately and she was like, that's not true. Like that's not how trafficking works. If I hadn't texted her, I totally would have put on the tinfoil hat and been like, let's get to the bottom of like these furniture fuckers (laughs) and stuff. Um, And I've also seen too, there was a joke photo that I saw on Twitter the other day. So I reshared it to my story and it said, Jared Leto is method acting in the hopes of playing a pedophile. And it was this joke because there's all these allegations against him. And I log on TikTok today and all of these people are sharing the fake news headline and being like, I can't believe it. Like this is, he's gone too far this time. I'm like, oh my God, like that's satire. Like people yeah. just sometimes don't recognize satire. I've seen a lot of old Onion videos, like from the oh, early 2010s, re-uploaded yeah. where people think that it is 100% real. And you can see the Onion logo like in the video and 
people, I think maybe it's just like Zoomers don't know about the onion, but I'm like, guys, this is not real footage. And then the comments will be off sometimes. And you're like, did you know what they're doing? There was that TikTok that got really viral and it was saying that who's that kid's name? Like Mason, the yodeler that he oh, yes. donated to like the LGBTQ yes. and it got like millions of views. Everyone was like, Oh my God, he is like our gay icon. And then a girl was like, I literally made that up. Like yeah. you and I grew up in an age, people used to lie on the internet. Like if you said a fact at the dinner table and somebody was like, where did you hear that? And you said, Oh, on the internet, you would get laughed out of the room. They would be like, don't believe anything on there. And now it's a complete change. Yeah, it's crazy now. (laughs) I run into that a lot with blind items, and I'm so curious to get your take as a journalist. Obviously, the New York Times broke that first story about Harvey Weinstein, and I had been reading about him in blind items for years before it was talked about as this, you know, disgraced director, um, this, like, complete creep, this abuser. And, of course, a blind item is just a rumor. But I'm curious, has... Do you think that journalists have ever used blind items to be like, here's a lead on a story? A hundred percent. Really? You think oh, they go yeah. to the website? I mean, I think good journalists investigate and like to hear. I mean, journalists love gossip. Like mm. a good journalist loves gossip and like journalists swap gossip. And like, there's a lot, you know, that people, yeah, I think a hundred percent. I mean, who knows if the reporters that broke that story, like, read the blinds, but I definitely think, you know, even as someone that covers influencers, it's like something you keep an eye on because it's like a tip like anything else, right? Like people give tips all the time. Sometimes people just email you from spam addresses, but it's still something that you're going to like look into, you know? Oh my God, absolutely. And also like not to be that person, because of course some gossip is malicious, but a lot of the times I find that there is like a big inkling to gossip. The idea of spreading a rumor that happens. The idea of starting a rumor is a lot harder. Um, so I feel like misinformation can pass and travel, but I don't know. I, I've seen a lot of blind items come true in real time. So do you think celebrities would ever visit websites like that? Or do you think they would just talk to like those in Hollywood? I have no idea. I was thinking of this recently because I was just talking to someone about my like life in LA and like, I'm not in traditional entertainment world. Mm -hmm. So I'm not like you know, hanging out with A-listers like at all, like, living <laughs> in my crappy apartment. Um, but I definitely, I mean, I definitely, influencers obviously read everything, but they're yeah. internet obsessed. You know, I don't know, like if you're Jennifer Aniston level or whatever, like how aware are you of these things? Yeah. I do think like, I mean, having investigated certain blinds, like sometimes there's a kernel of truth, but it's like so misrepresented or somebody has like, it's just like, I, I, I wish there was more like, deep dives about like where these things started. Cause sometimes they have a kernel of something, but then it gets so misconstrued into something else, you know? Yeah. Like the blinds about Jake Paul probably doing something, you know, negative. I'm like, I could believe that. And then I saw a blind about like an influencer hooking up with Mark Zuckerberg to get a Facebook deal. And I was like, I just don't think that one happened. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it either. Only cause he's, you know, I don't, I don't think, think he's hooking yeah. up with anyone. <laughs> no, I think he like codes and I feel like he barbecues and I feel like that's just yeah. about it. Maybe he sleeps in between. And he's a wife guy. I mean, he's always talking about. Yeah, you know. I know. I, that, that's what we said about like Cosby. That's what we said about like that's everyone. That's true. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> no, you said that journalists love to gossip. I actually, of course I love to gossip. I wanted to be a journalist when I was younger and then I found out that you can't put your opinion in pieces. So I was like, well, never mind. That like literally ruins it all. <laughs> Is that still true now a days? Like I know that a lot of people have kind of 
been a little bit disillusioned with the news in the last couple of years, but I do feel like now, and maybe it depends on, you know, what I'm reading by who or where it's coming from, but I feel like you can completely tell what someone's opinion is in news articles. Is that still a rule that you have to keep your opinion out? Yeah, it 100% depends on your role, like ah. in, within the news organization. Like, you know, if you're an opinion columnist or if you're, even if you're, I mean, I'm technically a columnist. So it's just, you have a little bit more leeway to like give your take on something. It's more like a reported take rather than your straight opinion. But of course there are more opinion roles. And I think there's just more like hybrid type of things like that. And in news organizations these days where they like have like a lot more contributors, you know, like so many old school newspapers, it's like they had their staffers and then now there's like all these like contributor roles and like also there's this understanding of objectivity has changed so much to, to account for the fact that like no human being on earth is like objective about everything. Like we all have our own experiences and like life identities and things that we bring to our job. And like our goal, like our job should be to tell the truth and to always get to the truth. But, um, but yeah, it's also just like newspapers with the dawn of, you know, the digital media boom in the 2010s, like a lot of them just like leaned really hard into opinion coverage because mm. it does so well on the internet that there's just more of that around now, like at news organizations. Yeah. I mean, I used to work at a healthcare company and we would put out news articles for the doctors and, you know, the ones that got more clicks always did best for the marketing department. Let me tell you, we would find some quote that Donald Trump had said every day to put out because lo and behold, it just always got so many clicks. Do you think that that like sometimes negatively impacts like what comes first the chicken or the egg like when people think of articles to write do they think what's going to get clicks or do they think like I have a little tiny thing that like should be getting clicks I want to tell you about Every Plate, which is America's best value meal kit. Now, meal kits have been around for a while, and I have to be honest, I was a little bit skeptical. I was like, so it's just cooking. No, here's what Every Plate does. So similar to other meal kits, they have uh, 17 weekly recipes that you get to select from. They will ship these recipes and recipe cards to your front door, and then they come with carefully packaged and pre-portioned ingredients for you to cook. This for me is a game changer. I mean, I live alone. Have you ever tried to buy one carrot for a recipe? You can't, you have to buy like 20. So I love that all of this is pre-portioned. I've been doing every plate every day this week and I'm just absolutely loving it. So here's what sets every plate apart from other meal kits. It has the lower price point that I have seen for any meal kit on the market. So you can try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code fluently179. Once again, that's everyplate.com and the code is fluently179. Well, actually, it's funny. So my first media job was at the Daily Mail, um, okay. which you would oh think... Oh, my God, I love. Yes. I used to write the some celebrity fan fiction around, yes. you know, a bunch of uh, Getty images, or not Getty. They would just, you know, put these, like, tabloid images, and you'd write stories around them, basically. Yes. She stepped out, like, forlornly or whatever. Um, but, you know, you would think that the Daily Mail is, like, a place where, like, reporters would really care about clicks. They actually don't even show the reporters their analytics. It's the editors. It's the assigning editors and like the managers that like assign the stories. So I think a lot of people think like, oh, it's the reporter just wants this at certain places is actually the editors. And then 
there's other places like the New York Times, the Washington Post that are like way more subscription driven. So it's less about like traffic and more about like, do you have a loyal audience that's going to keep coming back? Mm. And, and is this reliable enough that like they're going to pay basically? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was definitely I mean, different like, you know, five years ago too. Oh my God. I feel like everything was different five years ago. Yeah. And it really is, I think, person by person based. Like I remember my mom used to get the New York Times and she would always open up to Nicholas Kristoff's Chris, yeah. uh, column. So I do feel like it's fun because I think people are a lot more loyal to the specific journalist that they read rather than the paper itself, especially because the paper can hold like two things you agree with and then two things that you don't. But you know, if you stick with one person, you're probably going to be getting things from like their viewpoint forever. I literally said this a couple weeks ago. It was like the week before I started at the post. I was just talking about like journalists and brands and how like it's really important and like having a brand and like being a trustworthy figure that people know about, like it builds trust with the readers because they're like, oh, I know that person, whatever. Um, and all these journalists were like canceling me over it, but I stand by it. Cause I really, that's who I read. Like I read writers yeah. that I know I can trust. Oh my God. No, me too. That's how I consume almost everything. And sometimes they'll introduce me to someone else, but like the power of referral, I feel like once mm -hmm. you have someone that you trust, it means I'm mean, not to like use the term influencer, but it does have influence. Do you think people are upset by that because they don't have a brand because they cover like a wide variety of things? Well, you know, journalists were like, they wrote all this mean stuff about me and like Politico and New York mag and stuff, just like literally like made up nonsense. And I was looking at the people writing it and it's like people that are like obsessed with this idea. It's people that like kind of fundamentally disrespect my beat. And they like to think of journalism as this like thing in an ivory tower that's like very removed and illustrious and, oh, it's, it's like unseemly to have a brand. At the same time, those are the same people with six-figure cable news contracts, you know, 100% because of their brand. Yeah. So it's just like, I think it's about like, are you establishing your, like media, like, you know, journalists have always, like Anderson Cooper, like Nick Kristoff, like these people, you've always had like a brand. I think it's just the, the term brand makes people cringe because it's cringy and makes people be like, ew, that's like unseemly. You know, journalists should be above that. Well, it's you know like, what? Like I don't find it cringy at all. Like when I, I don't think of either. Nicholas Kristoff, I yeah. think of his cargo pants and like that brown button down and like yeah. he's on the road. And when I think of Anderson Cooper, I think of like white hair and like glasses, very polished. Like that is just like people identify other people. That's like how exactly. we, like we have eyes and we see what we see. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. But there's people in media. I mean, there's so much media drama every day, but that was like a big, it was a big discussion. And I just think anyone that spends time on the internet, like it's, it's the discussion is over. Like it was, it was solved 10 years ago, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I'm so. curious. You, obviously you work online. You have to be online to find out what's going on, to talk to all of these people. What is your daily screen time or are you, or can oh you say? Sometimes mine is like it. 10 hours. Oh, mine's over 10 hours. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary. It's scary. I do have like offline days though, cause I'm into hiking and I do stuff yeah. outside, but yeah. no, my screen time is, is terrifying, but it's fine. I mean, we're all kind of, I, I'm very like, um, I'm very good at separating like what mm. I post, like people that follow me, they follow me and they know like a lot about me, per like professionally, but nobody really knows that much about me personally. And there's so much wrong information about me personally out there on the internet. Like my Wikipedia is just insane. Um, and I actually was talking to somebody a while ago that was like, it's just actually works in like celebrity PR stuff. I was like, let that stuff stay because 
it just kind of, you know, if you, if you correct it, then those people have more information about you. And Mm, so I don't, you know, I just, I don't know. I just kind of like to like keep my personal life like very offline. Oh, trust me. I'm right there with you too. I'm like, I'll talk about celebrities, but I'm not going to talk about like what I had for breakfast because I feel like it just blurs the lines. And I have seen people, you know, I, on Twitter, I follow people from like all walks of life because I want to know what everyone's talking about Mm -hmm. until sometimes I was like following Ben Shapiro for a bit. I was like, (laughs) I have to see what he says. And finally I was like, I can't do this. I have to unfollow. Um, But I have seen some stuff where people talk about your content in terms of, and I get the same thing with pop culture. I think Mm -hmm. people think if you're talking about the internet or apps, like fun little apps or influencers or celebrities, it's like meaningless, fluffy stuff. And I always say it's the opposite. Like celebrities are just as powerful as CEOs. You just don't take them seriously because they're wearing a low cut dress on the red carpet. And you might want to think that, I don't know, the CEO of Getty Images is like more powerful than a TikToker who dances, but that TikToker who dances could be making like $20 million a year. So why do you think people view this stuff as like fluff pieces when it's really so powerful? Yeah. I mean, this has been my entire career, Shannon, since I started. (laughs) I mean, every step of the way is just trying to explain to people that they should care about this stuff. Um, And smart people do like, you know, anybody with a brain, in my opinion, is like, okay, obviously we should know this stuff by now. But um, I think it's, I think it's also just an effort to like, discredit me and my work. Like I notice a lot of people that are pretty like far right doing that. And a lot of those people that criticize me, like, oh, she's writing about TikTok. She writes, you know, teen gossip on TikTok, which is just not remotely in line with what I write. But then they have huge TikTok presences. They're the ones, you know, that hiring TikTok editors. So they do take it seriously. It's just, they don't really want somebody writing about it. And I noticed that just with a lot of stuff. I mean, there was one big YouTuber that was really mad at me for a critical story and was just like, and she just writes silly stuff about YouTubers. And it's like, no, dude, I investigated your workplace practices in this business that you run, you know, with which, 80 which, people. Uh, big YouTuber was that? Was, I don't know. I don't want to restart the drama with his okay. fans. Okay, but, okay. Um, you know, I, that's the other thing that I think is actually been pretty hard or like, it's not hard, but I'm very used to it now. It's like everyone that I write about has an insane fandom and you're yeah. always going to make someone mad. So there's like, there's just so many like fandoms on the internet that I, my colleague, John Caramonica, who's a good friend of mine at the times writes about pop music. And it's, both of us have those beats where it's like, <laughs> you're sort of endlessly dealing with some, you know, yeah. group of people that are really mad at you for something. Well, it's also like, it's both sides of the same coin, right? Where like, let's say, okay, let's take someone like Jeffrey Epstein, for example, right? There's abuse, there's horrible things going on all over the world. Now, let's say that there's probably like a teacher in Maryland who could be abusing a student. Small time, you could probably get that story, but it's, you know, going to be on a smaller scale. Someone like Jeffrey Epstein, much larger scale, committing like much worse things, but because they're so big, the story's going to get squashed or you're going to get sued or someone's going to be following you if you do it. I think it's the same thing. People forget with like influencers and celebrities. I don't know. It's just like you have the average person. They have their flaws, good and bad. You give them, you know, a fan base of 20 million, a bunch of power, a bunch of money. And you're like, oh, you know what? We gave them all the money and power in the world. I guess they're not doing anything bad. It's like, you know, come on. Of course, these people are. But the larger the fish is, the more people there are to kind of like defend it. So 100%. do you 
do you get this a lot with each article? Do you kind of have to like turn your phone off for the day after? Yeah. Well, and I write about like, I mean, I definitely consider myself more of like a tech reporter. So I write a lot about like the companies and Silicon Valley stuff too. And like, I always have like a tech angle. So I, I get it, but I would say like, and I turn my phone off. I mean, rarely, but I like don't look at stuff if people are being really horrible sometimes. Um, there's this journalist, Kat Tenbarge. Do you follow her? Yeah, she, she broke the, the David the Dobrik story. Yes. yes. Yeah. She's great, but like she's really, she's like real like influencer accountability. I mean, I do some of that stuff, but ultimately like my interest is really in tech and um, she like, you know, deals with all the drama channels and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's exhausting. I mean, I've definitely had drama channels come for me and PewDiePie made a video uh, about me once and it was like it's bad but it's like fine you know do you gain new followers when that happens because some people like the Kardashians are like all PR is good PR I know I was thinking about that um, I think I think it's like it puts my stories on the map I mean that's what people don't realize like these these you know if I write a slightly less than perfect I can write like a very positive profile of like anytime you see your favorite person written about like fans just go crazy and mm. um you know they'll like rally and I'm like you're giving this story like way more legs yes. than had you just ignored it like now yeah. everyone knows because you made a trend all the time I I don't know if you heard about this but Doja Cat recently talked about a YouTuber who had made a video talking about plastic surgery that she could or couldn't have gotten and she made a 20 minute reaction to it the video was all anyone could talk about you know what I mean whereas otherwise like I don't know maybe it would have gotten some views but then like petered out after a couple of days yeah so it is funny but I mean we are dealing with humans and I feel like these are human emotions. So 100%. some people that you've covered, you cover back when you worked at the New York Times, you covered Axel Weber. Yeah. I have it on my pop culture bingo card for this year. I'm convinced that he's an industry plant. I know it's a conspiracy theory, but I'm curious, how did you get in touch with him? Was it the smallest apartment video that you saw? Like, do you just kind of come across people online and then decide to dig into them? Yeah, I, well, I had seen the smallest apartment and I was like, I'm not writing about that. And also I don't even believe that it's the smallest apartment (laughs) having lived in New York myself. And actually he kind of blew up. What did he even go viral for? What was he going viral again for? I think in the, he in like January? tried to get into Juilliard. Oh yeah, that's he right. He got his right exactly. Yeah. And I heard that the education desk was going to write about it, and uh-huh. I was like, let me write this story because I know what's really going on, and like I'll find out if this guy like what his deal is. And I did investigate his family. I did talk to tons of people that knew him. And the manager, his manager, is actually Little Tay's old. Do you remember Little Tay? No, it sounds Wait, like a rapper. She, yes, she was a nine-year-old rapper that ended oh up. Oh my being, god! I remember? do remember. I do remember Little Tay. Yeah. So, so this guy that was managing <laughs> Axel was Little Tay's manager, and then Axel was at this party that a bunch of other people were at, and other industry people that I know, like other influencer managers, were at. So I was like, "Well, why is he at that party?" And then I was like, "Oh, the manager brought him to LA." Anyway, I got the full backstory. Mm. Um, so it's so funny because when people say industry plant, it's like, you know, was he like plucked to be this person? No. But once you have like one in with like this, you know, manager that knows a lot of people, you're like sort of put into this system. And then there is a scaffolding around you where suddenly you're getting all of its stuff. And I wouldn't say it's like a plant, but it's certainly like if you get on that, it's like stepping on a, you know, an escalator, right? Yeah. Like if you if you get that first step on, 
there's enough, there's suddenly the PR people want to work with you suddenly, but you know, and he's definitely, that's happened to him. Yeah, people sure. don't notice that behind the scenes. It's like, oh my God, why is Charlie Puth talking to him? Why is he on the Kelly Clarkson show? Well, like he got a manager. So like that's exactly. what managers do. But I think what baffles me is in talking with his family, did you ever get an answer? Like, why would you eat street cabbage for dinner? Why would you build a snowman without gloves? Do you think he just lives to be the most frugal person? Or do you think that parts of it are like, this is not my brand on TikTok. So like I purposely need to like take off a jacket before I leave. So I'm cold (laughs) or something like that. I think he's like, I mean, and also having interviewed him, I think he's genuinely like pretty quirky guy. Yeah. Like he's a pretty kind of quirky. I'm trying to figure out the right words to say. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I do think he does stuff for the bit a hundred percent. Um, I mean, obviously he could just move to Queens or something (laughs) or get a roommate. Like what? But at the same time, I mean, I was asking him that cause I'm like, why, why, if you're not trying to go viral, like what is this thing? And I think he, you know, he's so idealistic. Like he was so, it reminded me of people that like, I grew up, you know, watching sex in the city and like, and I'm from New York City originally, but these people would just move to New York and be like, I have to live in Manhattan or I have to whatever, right? And you're mm. like, you don't actually. And that's such an idiot like version of, of what you think Manhattan life is like or New York life is like. So I feel like I feel like he's kind of naive like that. And then he definitely found success and now has made it his whole personality kind of. <laughs> um, but I don't think he's like nefarious, you know what I mean? He's definitely not nefarious. Yeah. I think, you know, he could be a little bit buzzfeedy or things like that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think he's like a bad guy. I think he's yeah. just like a guy with a haircut, you know, making <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah. Um, so you've also covered you've also covered Jake Paul. You've also covered Girl with No Job, who a lot of people have asked me, is she Dumois? I don't think that Claudia Oshry no, she's is not. Dumois. Um, I, think I can promise Dumois you that. A bunch of people. And you were the first one. This was uh, an article from the Daily Beast. You broke the piece about their mother and her political views. It was called The Instagram Stars Hiding Their Famous Muslim-Hating Mom, Pamela Geller. So this piece blew up. And I think I I bought her book because I wanted to, you know, get to know her. I think they had a show at Verizon. That was like the first morning toast. And when this story broke, they lost their show. They lost their sponsorships. Is that something... This sounds like a, I don't know how else to say this, but like, do you feel guilty when something like that happens? Is that something they teach you in journalism school? So I do feel guilty about certain stories. Like, and I'll tell you about some examples after this where I just am like, holy shit, this person's life is going to change. I don't think they're prepared. This one, not even remotely. I don't look back and have any regrets because they had said such offensive, like sort of, and I'm not like a wallflower, but like, they were basically like saying really offensive stuff on this platform that was a media company. It was AOL, you know, they also, their mother who I had covered Pamela Geller for years. I covered right wing extremism for two years and Pamela Geller is, is a, is an Islamic phobic extremist. And, you know, they, the, the Claudia had posted just really Islamophobic racist stuff she tries to claim, oh, I was like 12 years old. No, 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 no. Like as recently as three months before the article was posted, she was posting, you know, Um. really wild stuff. And it was on their show. And she had the mother come at the live show. Like they were cheering for the mother, Pamela Geller, at the live show. So it's platforming her mother to this new audience. And there's just so much other stuff too that just, I was like, you know, look, first of all, this person had gone through, I mean, 
she sort of ended up promoting her mother, but she'd actually for a while made an effort to kind of hide it while promoting her mother's ideology, which I thought was very suspect. Because it's like, if you're going to promote Islamophobia stuff and your mother's a literal designated terrorist, according to the UK government or wherever she was banned from, she was like banned from cert- entering certain countries, like that's notable. And and Claudia is not um, a child. Like Claudia is like married and an adult. And, you know, I, I is it somebody, if, it, if they were like an 18 year old? Sure, I, I wouldn't have written that story. But Claudia was a full on adult with millions and millions of followers and tons of sponsorships and I think that Industry deserves plant. I mean I just I think it deserves scrutiny. I think it deserves scrutiny. And I'm not a cancel culture person. Like I'm not like, oh my God, I found your bad tweet from forever ago. You're canceled. It was like she was using her platform to kind of subtly push a lot of pro-Trump messaging. She obviously went to Trump's inauguration and it was just this like it was like, okay, so your ideology is actually really similar to your famous mother and you're seeding that ideology with a new generation by sort of like posting a lot of this vague stuff and and having, you know. So I just, that's kind of, yeah, that's what made me decide to write about it. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Lately, I have been waking up every morning with knots in my jaw from stress grinding my teeth at night. I know, (laughs) when I'm unconscious, how rude. People don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. Stress shows up in all kinds of ways, and in a world that's telling you to always do more, sleep less, and grind all of the time, here's your reminder to take care of yourself, do less, and maybe try some therapy. I love using therapy just to have a sounding board to help me balance everything in my life and make sure that the thoughts that I'm feeling are, you know, rational thoughts. And if they're not, let's take care of them. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with a therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, so give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. Fluently Forward podcast listeners will get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash fluently. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash fluently. Well, it's interesting, like, to decide to get political or not or things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I wonder about this, too, because I certainly have members of my family who are conservative. I have some who are very liberal. I have a cousin who, like, has the merch from Trump and, like, wears it on Easter Sunday. So I do wonder for things like that, like, do you think that well, influencers should be, like, forthcoming about that? Or do you think, like, yeah. as you so, get bigger? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Sorry to keep interrupting. No, I just no, This is something that people say. It's like, we all have crazy family members, myself okay. included. God knows. A hundred percent. And nobody should be judged by their family. But if your mother is a famous, famous far-right extremist, you have taken extensive steps to mislead your audience about that while promoting her ideology to your followers I think, and and you have millions of followers, I think that's worth covering um, personally. I did, you know, I do feel vindicated because in 2020, the Morning Toast, you know, Facebook group or whatever, like fractured. And one of, did you read that long post from one of their biggest fans? I've seen it, like the open letter. I haven't read it though. There's just a a lot of the fandom ended up coming around and I still to this day get messages like, wow, we actually see like kind of, 
what she was doing now. Interesting. Um, yeah, because I did post a video, just like a clip of her and a bunch of the comments. I This was the first time I had heard of it. We're like, oh, no, not this. Like, you have to go read the article. And I was like, what article? But so speaking of I gossip, I mean, that was that every single person at AOL had, like, gossiped about that for years. And just it's been really? like, this is crazy. But the, they couldn't cover it for, for Huffington Post because the girls had this weird relationship with, like, Tim Armstrong. Like, it, I still uh, am so unclear. Their father had some weird... Have you ever, like, dug into their family history? It's very weird. I know that their father was, like, very wealthy, and he passed yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah, and they have some sort of, like, friendship with Tim Armstrong, which is sort of how they got... I mean, they got well, I gotta this be honest, show that, like... Who's Tim Armstrong? Oh, God. I he know. was He was running, like, AOL back then. He's, like, a big oh, business okay. executive. Yeah. Gotcha. And so, so is you that just, a story you got I mean, that Boston? would... If you want to talk about industry plant, like... Yeah. <laughs> that is the definition of an industry plant. Um, yeah, I did get a gift from gossip from people just being like, you know, that's so crazy that this is their mother and that she's doing this. And I was like, why hasn't anyone written about that? And yeah. I was writing for the Daily Beast. I mean, would I write that story for the New York Times? No, I don't, I don't think so. But, you know, would I have written it seven or six, five years when 2017? I'm like, what year was that? I think I wrote it 2017 or 2018. Like, yeah, yeah I think, you know, they were ascendant. They were influential. They were clearly aligned with certain things. And it was, I, I stand by it. I know people, I mean, I, I've, people debate me on it and their fans hate me for it, but I really, you know, you don't have to love every story that I do and it's fine. And if you disagree with a story that I wrote about an influencer and you think that I wronged them, like that's fine. Not every, you know, well, I think everyone also has to it, agree. It's a little bit of a different story because I think they're both successful today, right? You know, I think oh, uh, they didn't. I mean, yeah. it didn't affect them at all. It literally didn't. I mean, their show got canceled. They ended up actually making even more money, and now they're they have huge. I mean, they're thriving. So I literally caused no major harm other than exposing this thing, which I think is worth talking about. Yeah, it's like a Kardashian situation. <laughs> yeah. So someone else, I think this was a year ago, Tucker Carlson talked about you on his show. Just last Friday he talked, he's always talking about oh, me. Really? He did a whole segment <laughs> last Friday. He's always talking, he's crazy, but yes. Well, we cover blind items on this show, and I was wondering if I could read to you a couple of Tucker Carlson's blind items. Oh my gosh, people send me them sometimes too, and they're so good. They're pretty good. So there's one that I already covered um, when I did an episode of Modern Family because there was a blind item, people who listen to the Modern Family my episode might know, it says about Julie Bowen, who played Claire Dunphy on Modern Family. This A-list, mostly TV actress on a hit network show is going to be really disappointed that she split from her husband, but that married conservative commentator she has been hooking up with for much of the past year during flights back and forth to NYC is sticking with his wife. Have you ever heard that one? Ooh, I have not. I've not heard the marriage <laughs> gossip. <laughs> there was a bunch of other ones. Um... Da, 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 da. Speaking of cable news channels, this married conservative nighttime host might want to think about the promises he has made to the staffer so she would sleep with him. When he can't deliver, things will get ugly. I would just assume I watched, what was it, that piece about the people at Fox News? I was and I watched say, the morning this show. This is like, I, yeah. Isn't, I just assume everyone who's a TV anchor is sleeping with someone. I. I feel the same way. TV people are another world. I was talking to my <laughs> friend who works in TV earlier today and just like how much I don't want to, it's such a messy world. And you have people that are real, like, like they're seen as talent. You know what I mean? Mm. And like, it's just different when you're a writer, like you're kind of like, you know, like writing behind your computer or whatever. Whereas like TV, it's just like these big personalities. And a lot of them are very narcissistic. You know, they're, they yeah. want to be in TV for a reason. 
You'd have so. to. It's like the same thing as a politician, you know? Yes. Like, if you want to be looked at every day, even people who, even influencers, you know? Like, if your goal is to be famous, there's probably a little bit of a screw loose there somewhere, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. So um, with, there's also blind items about Julian Assange. What's your view of um, him as a fellow reporter? Oh, my God. I really have no view of him. I, okay. I like, don't have an opinion on him. I, I, is, I feel like wasn't somebody recently... I can't, I can't remember what somebody was saying about him recently. That's like national security world. And it's so far removed from like, <laughs> the like yes. YouTube, you know, I'm not, I'm not on Julia Assange internet. Yeah. It's a very, it's a, what did you call it? A beat? It's a different beat. It's a totally different beat, Yeah, but I'm sure the NATSEC reporters, I mean, there's so much like tea in that world that is. Yes. Well, he has been linked to Pamela Anderson. Um, oh, I heard that actually. They have like a friendship, but we basically have a bunch of blinds saying, if you believe this foreign born, former A-list syndicated actress is who was in contact again with the imprisoned journalist, she was told that an attempt was made on his life two weeks ago by poisoning his food. We've heard from like Putin and a bunch of people threatening journalists. Have you ever felt like you like were being watched or like you oh had to God, be careful? Shannon, I have like multiple stalkers and like it's very dangerous. I mean, I was assaulted when I was covering Charlottesville. I was punched in the face while watching Heather Heyer literally die. I mean, it was this horrible. I was covering Charlottesville. I was actually live streaming um, to three million people. I was working for The Hill, which is a political news site at the time. I was covering right wing extremism. And James Fields, like, plowed the car, you know, through the crowd. And um, I was, like, maybe three feet away. And um, it was crazy. And this guy came up and clocked me in the face. And it dropped my phone. And actually, that led me to end up... I, I, I don't know what took over me, but I was so mad uh-huh. and I grabbed him with like a death grip. Like, you know, when your mom's mad at you, she like digs oh. her nails in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I grabbed his arm and I wouldn't let go. And I kept shouting for the police to come over and the police obviously came and it got crazy. And I ended up in the police station, the only journalist that was in the police station when James Fields was brought in, who's the guy who, you know, mowed down the crowd. So that led to, um, all of these conspiracies about me, that I was a deep state actor and that I wanted to get assaulted because that means that I could be in the police station and and I knew he was innocent, but it was a cover-up or whatever. Um, Because at first they didn't know. I mean, at first, really, the police were like, was this an accident? Did he get scared? Was it intentional? Now we know it was intentional. But anyway, because of that, I I was you know, all these QAnon forums and everyone was like, she's a deep state actor and I got a lot of crazy stalkers. And then even to this day, I still have, I mean, just being a journalist, you get a lot of like people that get really crazy. Um, oh my, I can only imagine. I mean, like I do TikToks and I've seen some crazy stuff. You write legitimate articles. So I could only imagine how many, um, freaks there are. There's freaks out there. Oh, I mean, deep. Yeah. Deep freaks. Yeah. And I went from that, I went from Charlottesville to like just a couple weeks later, actually to cover Milo Yiannopoulos's free speech week at Berkeley with where Pamela Geller was oh. spouting crazy stuff. So it's just a small yeah. terrible internet <laughs> if I had I'd be like I'd like for my beat I'm gonna do cooking please could somebody transfer me <laughs> like, well I was just like Jake Paul is nothing to me you know like, <laughs> like I've dealt with the worst there are some blinds about Elon Musk have and journalists and things like that Ooh. have you heard anything creepy about him trying to interfere with journalists or anything yes well he um he's sort of like notoriously interesting. And what my colleague, yeah. Ryan Mack at the New York times covers Elon and like, you know, he's just a very 
weird guy and I think engages with the press. Like I think is interested in engaging in culture and will actually like respond yes. to people. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've like read the gossip about him. I don't know him. I have emailed with him before, but I've never met him. So what's he like over email? He was fine. Yeah. (laughs) He like sends you a meme. He only communicates and like edgelord memes. He did respond to me in a meme when I reached out to him for this story about memes, about him stealing memes and monetizing (laughs) them. And I actually, I actually included his meme response in the story. Um, (laughs) Because he has his, I mean, it, this it, he's one of those CEOs that actually checks their email address. And if oh. you email him, he will sometimes just respond. And journalists know this. It's like, honestly, like Tucker Carlson too. It's like everyone has their, inform- his, you know, his email and phone number. And like sometimes, sometimes they'll just respond. And have so it's always. Have you ever spoken directly to Tucker? No, I have no interest in that. But I do have him in my phone just in case, I don't know, something got really crazy. Yeah. It would be good to see that caller ID if the call is coming in, I bet. Um, Okay, so Elon's blinds. These were two interesting ones. It seems like he's kind of obsessed with the press. So we had one blind that says, if you are a journalist or a public figure and you own a car from this company, they have every bit of information from you and who your contacts are and who you have been emailing and they are not using it for consumer purposes. And that's about him and Tesla, which I totally believe. I mean, you oh, hook I up. mean, all these tech companies. It's like Uber was famously doing that with journalists yes. that were critical of Uber and yes. Facebook. I mean, all of these. That's the reason I tell sources, especially from tech companies. I'm like, just leave your phone at home. Like, if you meet with a journalist and you work at one of these tech companies, because they also track their own employee. Like, they'll know. They'll see where the journalist is. Like, and I meet people. I've had first meetings when someone's going to leak me something where I just don't. I like sometimes will walk to meet them or like park somewhere and walk far away and like leave my phone in the car just because I'm paranoid. Well, um, trust me, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm also very paranoid, but does that ever scare the shit out of a source? Like I just finished watching the dropout and when the whistleblowers were talking about Theranos and they're all losing their sources and it's like, oh my God, of course you can't handle the legal fees. Like, yeah. Did, have you ever taken like a psychology class or like how to coax someone to give you the truth without like scaring them away? No, I mean, you do like lose people. It's like 10% of the stuff that you want to report. You can actually report. Like there's always that thing mm-hmm. in journalism. Um, I mean, I don't have a Tesla or anything, so I'm not like that <laughs> paranoid about my car. But um, but there are all of these like digital safety things where you're like, do X, Y, Z, or if someone reaches out to you, you, just you have to establish trust with anyone though. It's just yeah. like, it goes back to trust and just like also them knowing that they're going to get the story, like you're going to do the story right, you know? Yeah. Like if they give you something, I mean, that was the thing when, with I listened to this interview with Francis Haugen who leaked all of the Facebook files or whatever to the wall street journal. Mm. And Oh my God, everyone, when that came out, like at New York times, was like, why, you know, why did she leak it to them and not us or whatever? And, um, you know, she talked about it and she's like, literally just, I thought I wanted to make sure that I had someone that would speak to the international harm of Facebook. And I guess got in touch with this journalist that she felt like really would, include that in their story. So sometimes it's just as small as that, like, hey, I read something that you wrote a long time ago and like it resonates or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But Elon seems particularly obsessed with the press. Like he's very like online about it. Very much so. Um, I mean, obviously he got, what, that 9% stake in Twitter now. Yeah. Um, So I guess he's diving into the world of social media, which I, I don't know. I feel like if you think about it, cars and then space and then social media and then it's kind of all over now um yeah. whatever 
business tentacles. We also have another blind saying, the celebrity CEO isn't dumb. He will tell you that he can give a reporter an all-expense-paid trip somewhere for a week with an escort or stripper that costs the CEO $20,000, and he will get... 30 to 40 stories worth a thousand times that amount over the course of the next couple of years. Have you ever heard stories about reporters being like bought off by people? I mean, I, I've had that a hundred percent people, I, people, well, I've not had it where like someone wants to spend, send me to a private Island, but one <laughs> thing, you know, if you're writing critically about someone powerful, I mean, a hundred percent, the first thing they'll do usually is say like, ignore that story. I have the real story and like, I'll leak you some really crazy stories and uh, so they always try and do that. And some journalists take the bait. I mean, some journalists will, will, it depends, right? Like sometimes they'll be like, you know what? Maybe it's not worth taking down this guy. I can flip him into a source. Maybe I'll take him down eventually if, you know, but like he's about to feed me a lot of really good information. It's like, I mean, I feel like it's kind of like being a detective, right? Like, yeah. do you get the person at the bottom of the chain or do you kind of hold out and maybe they can flip on other people? It's like, so I think, I don't know, with the, I've never had that, but I've definitely like written about people and then have them be like, well, I'll tell you the real story. My feeling is like those stories, if this person's willing to so quickly give them up, they're probably going to come out anyway. And like, I'll find Mm. the story. Like, I don't know. I'm just always suspect. I'm like, and I also don't ever want to owe anyone anything ever, Mm. ever. So I'm like, no, I'm not going to be indebted to anyone. (laughs) That happened in the morning show. I mean, I know it's all fictional, but they were like, oh, instead of like saying that the main CEO has abused someone, like we'll give you the story about this PA who abused someone and then you can run that, which is creepy, but like people will take it because then they have a bunch of sources, right? So they could Mm -hmm. run it right away. Yeah. And it's like scary to go after people in power and, you know, and it's, it's also like, it depends like where you are in your career. Like, I think a lot of like, there's pressure on younger journalists and they don't want to, you know, they can be too cozy with people where it's like, you have this really powerful person being like, I'm going to destroy your life. And, you know, if you, you know, if you run this and, and if you don't, you know, I'll actually help you. So, yeah. And is it kind of like, because there have been so many, but I mean, of course, we've seen like the social network covering tech exposure. There's Super Pumped, the Uber Showtime one. Then we have... That's my um, colleague, Mike Isaac, wrote that, actually. I am obsessed with it. He also, like, like, Mike, if anyone said that to Mike, I'm pretty sure he would be like, go fuck yourself. Like, (laughs) he really doesn't give a shit. No, I... Something about, like, the Theranos, like, I know people say that they're getting sick of it. I want to know how Postmates came to be. I want to know how Twitter came to be everything and even in the inventing Anna all of the stories kind of follow a journalist who is breaking the news on it when you watch those scenes are you like okay it's not as sexy as it is like you don't actually put things up on the wall or is it kind of true to form no it's so dramatized and so unrealistic (laughs) and journalists are always like what the hell like version of reality is this it's really not that it's honestly I mean I think the truth is like it's just as it's like just as like internally stressful and like high like when you're about to like reveal something, mm. there's that night before when you're very nervous because you're like, did I fuck up? Or like, what are they going to do if this is revealed or something, right? Like, and I'm not revealing even state secrets. I'm like leaking the, you know, White House TikToker call <laughs> or something. Yeah. But it's still like, um, but it's not, it's like you just sitting in front of your computer, which doesn't make it for good TV. So yeah. people were saying with inventing Anna when she like goes into the conference room in like the first episode or something, it's just like pitching the editors. It's like, this would all just happen on Slack. Like yes. it's, <laughs> it's not that like 
cinematic. It would be so boring to watch how it actually happens just in terms of like, it would just be people's faces in front of a screen. You could yeah. film it all from like the tiny camera. Yeah. And you're just endlessly sending emails yes. and sort of <laughs> yes. following up and maybe having an interesting phone call or meeting sometimes, but it's mostly, you know, like any other job, you're just in front of your computer doing emails. And I know. Isn't that writing. crazy to think all of our jobs is just like sitting down and typing at the end of the day, which is yeah. sad. So out of all the stories that have broken, the Harvey Weinstein, the Elizabeth Holmes, what are they called? Jake Paulers? The Jake Paulers. <laughs> um, what story like in the last 10 or 20 years do you think about and you're like, oh, if I could have broken that or if I could have worked on it, like I just think the reveal was like so incredible. Oh my God, that's such a good question. That's such a good question. What, I mean, I love like, it would be fun to work on stories that like really shock you. Yeah, like the the turnaround ones. Yeah. Well, ugh, my, I'm so bad at like recall. I can only think of like recent things like these scammer ones. Yeah, um, I know. The scammers, something is going on with like the Tinder swindler and Anna. Like if there yeah. is a kind of halfway sexy narcissist, someone's like, we have to put them on Netflix immediately. Yeah. So. Well, I'm so interested in this whole like content. There's so much drama in journalism right now about IP rights. Um, mm. because all of these journalists are getting their stuff turned into, you know, TV series and Netflix and Netflix is scooping it all up and journalists don't get a cut of that. So, oh. you know, no, you break the story. This, I mean, this is why John Kerry left the wall street journal because if he had stayed, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be getting any money. And normally, I mean, I've had my stuff optioned by huge studios that use it as the basis to maybe do a scripted project or whatever. And you don't, you don't, you might get like $5,000, like for once if if the show actually gets made but just for getting it optioned I mean someone optioned something I wrote at a website years ago recently and I don't get a dollar really so how do yeah. you go about getting your IP? I just remember the like Alex Cooper from Call Her Daddy being like you gotta get the IP I like didn't yes. even know what it meant back then but I was like IP is important exactly and this goes back to the whole like journalist versus like brand it's like these companies are like really trying to seize control and a lot of them have entertainment divisions now and they don't want to cut journalists in um so it's a it's a fight that you have to kind of like fight i mean if you work at the new york times you're never going to fight them like they're just going to own the ip for everything huh. but um but if you do like a book sometimes you can own it um so sometimes you can take your reporting make it into a book and then the ip you split it like with your employer. Yeah. But it's all like very complicated and it's just, it's, it was never a really big issue until streaming came along. Cause streaming is just hoovering up so much content and so much is being developed. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, but I don't own my IP unfortunately. Yeah. 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 I so gotta become like, I mean, somebody like Kara Swisher, like somebody that's like big name enough, yeah. they can negotiate those deals or they're like a permanent, like contributor like Jessica Pressler I'm not sure if she's a contributor or not but that gotcha. you're not on staff once you're a staffer they just own you gotcha so, this okay, did not so answer your question at all I'm trying to think of big shocking stories <laughs> yeah you're like but it would be big enough that I would own it first it's a very That's realistic way to look at it yeah I'm like whatever I if I ever have something that big I'm gonna have to like yeah, do some work behind the first scenes. or something. Yeah, <laughs> finesse it so that I like can retire for once. Maybe you can make it an ebook or something. Well, I find, and it used to be different. I mean, I, I back in the '90s and stuff. I think journalists used to get this. Like the original Saturday Night Fever was based on a New York Magazine story. Oh, um, yeah, about a night out at Studio whatever it's called 54 studio, studio 54 yeah. yeah so it's like there's so much in hollywood hollywood they almost like they, they really like existing ip so they'll just like 
even if they want to do something on like an influencer or something, they'll buy the rights just to like make Have it them. more sellable. Yeah, I think yeah. I heard that happen with Caroline Calloway or something. Oh God, she's, I wonder what's going on with her. Yeah. Yeah, she, she like sold her life rights away. On your I think so. podcast? No, no, with oh. Julia Fox. I, it just came out today. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I have been meaning to listen to Julia Fox's show. It's a trip. Um, yeah. I, li- I mean, Caroline is sweet. I, I've definitely met her and I like her. I, her like Reddit, she has this like hate community on Reddit that like hates me for some reason. Uh, well, I, I think they just hate everyone. I talked about her everyone. and they were like, I They're... don't think that they liked what I said. I just don't, you know, it's called Well, you snark. can't live and die by, exactly. It's called yeah. snark for a reason. <laughs> um, but uh, she sold her life rights, which is like a whole separate thing. And I was talking to my book agent about that and it's just a, fascinating thing I mean you sell the rights to your life it's like like a virtual kidney or something it's pretty crazy interesting no one's interested in my life yet (laughs) until the next big story so what's next for you I know that you're working on a book are there any pieces that like you want to cover in the future do you think 10 years from now you'll be covering things about like drones or like if you had a yeah. guess. Yeah. I mean, I love technology. Like I said, like I'm interested in like the tech aspect of all of this stuff. And, um, I, I want to like sort of keep doing that stuff. Um, I think the election is going to be crazy. And I mean, I write sometimes about politics and stuff too. So yeah, 2024 is going to be wild, but my book is called extremely online. It's about the rise <laughs> of the content creator industry. So it's uh-huh. sort of charting. I did get some tea about like vine and stuff oh, like that. Yes. And it's sort of charting the history of, of this whole world and the companies that defined it. I'm so, so. excited for that. And you know what, Thanks. if I had to do a pop culture bingo card for like what will be talked about, I would guess deep fakes are probably going to be like in the next couple of years, we're going to start seeing those, I think. It's so crazy, the stuff that they can do. Have you seen the new AI thing? Did you see the big, like, wait, Shannon, you're going to lose your mind. There's this new, I can't remember the name of it, but it's this new thing where you basically type, like, avocado teapot, and it will come up with 100 generated drawings, images that look real. I saw one on Twitter. Someone was, like, a bunny detective reading a park in a Victorian mansion, and they drew it perfectly. I was like, oh, my God, like so cool and also like I'm terrified yeah. yeah and like you have to think about if you're an illustrator like seeing that like are you Could gonna you, be yeah if someone was like type in a celebrity's name and like a blind item would pop up I'd be like we have to destroy that thing <laughs> like, do you no follow Troy because Dumois has me blocked so I follow oh. them because I'm like that's like a little taste of it um, yeah so funny it's so, so funny. funny it's so funny everyone I know in LA is like obsessed with it and sends funny funny like fake tea into it yeah I send one in every week where I'm like this celebrity had diarrhea at Carbone and they never post it I'm like maybe one day (laughs) one day we'll get on there (laughs) all right so where can everyone find you I know of course you are on TikTok you're also on Twitter any anywhere of course you're on the Washington Post yeah read my work on the Washington Post send me ideas for stories I love like I said I love tips I love I mean, people just, somebody sent me that TikTok yesterday that went viral uh, about the TikToker. People thought that two TikTokers were living in Bin Laden's compound, but the big, you know, there's this estate in LA that was the Bin Laden family compound. Oh, okay. And these two like TikTok gays like made this thing like, this is our new place. And it really did look exactly like the compound because it's the same color, but it's actually just a place in, in Hollywood. But I was about to drive over the compound. I was like, oh my God, did they buy this? Wow. um, They didn't. But anyway, I love going down those rabbit holes, even if it doesn't work out. And 
uh, yeah, I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. Taylor, just Taylor Loren. Should uh, DM you tips or email you yeah, tips? Yeah, DM. Okay. I never check email. It's all spam. So okay. yeah, or just DM me if there's anything like interesting. I mean, I don't cover celebrity gossip, but I love, I've gotten way more into it in the past couple of years, to be honest. So yeah, if I find that's anything I found, about- That's why I found you. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you did too. Well, I also found you too because I completely agreed with your West Elm Caleb take where I was like, I was like, oh, a couple of videos. I'm like, ha ha ha, how crazy. He's dating everyone. And then brands were like making ads about it. I'm like, we need to calm down. I, okay, thank you for agreeing with me because people really did not agree with me on that. Like a lot of people. People get feral online. People get crazy. And I was like, I remember I was like, should I take these videos down? Like, am I on the wrong side of history? And then I was like, no. And I feel vindicated like now at this point because it got so crazy. Yeah. Like Um, it was, I think for the first couple of hours it was like, oh yeah, this is funny. Wow. He's like dating everyone. And then like once people in Australia are like, we need to do something about West Elm Caleb. I'm like, you're not even, (laughs) you're not even close to the same zip code. I saw a real estate agent in like North Dakota or whatever, making like a drama video about it being like, this man needs to be fired. I'm just like, what? I know. And but, I get um, it. Yeah, we've all been triggered, but goddamn, that was I mean, a he sounds like a shitty guy, but also I was just like, the reaction was crazy. But yeah, so TikTok, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, whatever else comes next, drone Fantastic. world, I'll be on it. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and um, I'm excited to see where things go, and I'm excited to read that book because, yeah, if anyone is extremely online, I am there with you. I will send you a copy as soon as it's out next year. Yay. So. All right. Thank you so much for coming on, Taylor. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Huge, huge thank you to Taylor for coming on and speaking about all of this. I highly suggest um, following her on Twitter and TikTok. It's just, um, I like being in the know, you know, I like to feel like I'm on the cutting edge of shit. And like I mentioned at the beginning, I don't really read the newspaper. Um, I don't really know what's going on in science and politics, but if it comes to the internet and celebrities, I feel like I can do my part there. So that's what I try to be aware of. Now, a few things to talk about in terms of pop culture and what's been going on lately. I feel like, you know, take a shot if you're tired of hearing Will Smith's name, but we do have news about Will Smith. And as I'm recording Friday night, this is new on the internet. So my take, I haven't even vetted it with the public and I don't know if everyone's going to agree with it, but let me tell you the Will Smith news. Will Smith has been banned from the Oscars for 10 years. Will Smith has been banned from attending the Oscars for the next 10 years for slapping Chris Rock. The Academy basically said that Will Smith will not be, quote, permitted to attend any Academy events or programs in person or virtually, which, by the way, I mean, that has to be the Oscars. What are they doing? Throwing like a benefit lunch or something? Anyway. However, he'll keep the Oscar for his role in King Richard, and he won't be barred from future nominations. Smith responded by saying, quote, I accept and respect the Academy's decision. <laughs> I'm just thinking now, how funny would it be if Will Smith responded by just tweeting the palm emoji five times? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I think it would be funny. My take on this, I think this is kind of extreme. Um, granted, you know, you don't want to slap someone in an award show, but to be banned for the next 10 years, I, I don't know, I would say ban him from the next Oscars, um, the next year, but I don't know. You just think about people who have been committing these egregious sex crimes for years and years on end and everybody knew it. And, you know, Harvey Weinstein, didn't I read somewhere that he has 80 different Oscars? I think I saw that. 
So I don't know. To me, it seems kind of insane. Um, And I don't know if this means that he won't be eligible for an Oscar. Like, honestly, nobody even watches them anymore. So I feel like it's both too much and also, I don't know. Honestly, I feel like Will Smith, the whole situation is talked out. I just think banning him for 10 years is like a little bit crazy. Okay, we have some news on Haley Bieber. I saw a tweet. Um, I'm going to put up a poll on Instagram because I'm curious to know if other people agree with this or not. But I saw a tweet that was like, Haley Bieber has literally no vibe. Like, zero vibe, zero opinion on her. She sways me in zero direction. Like I've never met anyone like her who literally is so neutral. It fascinates me and I want to put her in a lab and study her. I wholeheartedly agree. Like this is, and I mean it to be neutral, this probably could be like the worst thing that you could ever say about a person, but I just feel like Haley Bieber is there. You know what I mean? Like she's there. So anyway, we have a little bit of news about her. She is confirming the launch date of her beauty brand, Rode, R-H-O-D-E, which I think was her um, middle name or maiden name or something like that. I only think of the Rode microphone when I hear it, but whatever. Now, this is interesting. It says the entrepreneur, which I'm sorry, the entrepreneur, it's not even out yet. Can we just like calm down? Why not just say the nepotism, baby? The entrepreneur. Anyway. The entrepreneurs, I'm sorry, like I can't, I can't even take it seriously. Haley Bieber says she's aware that there's an oversaturation of celebrity beauty lines on the market, but she believes that Rode is, quote, going to be something refreshing and different. Rode will sell products like skincare, perfumes, hair care, and makeup. It doesn't really sound all that different to me. All of which will be affordable and priced under $30. Okay. Now we have a little bit of a difference. Bieber had previously revealed, quote, Road has been in the works for a very long time. Who gives a shit? Sorry. <laughs> Just all of these celebrities. Ugh. Also, tell me if you agree there's nothing more annoying than an influencer or a celebrity being like, something big is on the way. Like, I know I kind of did that when I teased my episode with Perez Hilton, but when they're like going into a meeting right now and it's so big and so huge, but I just like can't tell you about it. But like, you'll know soon. It's like, shut the fuck up. Anyway, Road has been in the works for a very long time. I don't know. We'll see. I guess everybody liked Rare Beauty and everyone thinks Fenty is great too. I haven't tried either of them because my skin just like it cannot with makeup. It really can't. Uh, too much rosacea. Another quote from Haley Bieber too. Haley Bieber reveals why she gave up runway modeling. She revealed that a quote really bad experience with a casting director shook her confidence and made her give up runway modeling. During the interview with Allure on whose cover she will appear in May, the model added model i thought she was an entrepreneur <laughs> the model added that she didn't want to quote feel bad about myself in this space because i feel really good about the other work that i do therefore she decided she would not put herself in a position where she would feel small which is kind of ironic because i think the job of a model is to feel and look very very small um now here's what i will say honestly props props to her i think we all felt in the bella hadid article where bella was talking about how it was such mental fucking hell to be a model we were like why are you doing it then girl you don't have to start a sparkling seltzer line or something like that so i think if you're gonna be mad about Haley bieber for saying this then you can't be mad at bella hadid do you know what i mean i think um just from what i've heard about modeling it doesn't matter if you're a nepotism baby or not it sounds like fucking mental hell and an absolute killer to your self-esteem. So uh, touche to her. And now our very last topic for tonight, and I gotta say a personal favorite of mine, we're talking about Vanessa Hudgens. Uh, 
Vanessa has taken a little bit of a Poot Lovato turn. Check out this headline. Vanessa Hudgens says she can talk to ghosts. How funny would it be if the uh, Disney folks started fighting? We have Vanessa Hudgens against Demi Lovato on who can communicate with um, the most extraterrestrial item. Because I think Demi Lovato was singing to ghosts or something. Anyway. Let me tell you more. Vanessa Hudgens recently revealed that she's had, quote, a lot of experiences with ghosts and spirits throughout her life and used to keep her paranormal sensibilities to herself. The the actress has accepted that she sees and hears things and has now decided to accept her ability and lean into it. She also talked about her spirit box. That's what I call my vagina. (laughs) A tool that helps scan radio frequencies really quickly. In 2011, Vanessa's or sorry, Vanessa Hudgens said that an unearthly presence visited her. What I have to say to that is you go, girl, you go. Vanessa Hudgens talking to ghosts, um, Demi Lovato singing, <laughs> singing to ghosts, um, Leah Michelle wanting to do a seance type of TV show about her dead ex and castmates and Lana Del Rhodes hexing Donald Trump. This is the type of stuff I want in my celebrities and don't lie. I think you want it too. I think we all do. Like, I just think it is fun when these celebrities are like absolutely unhinged and, you know, there's nothing more aggravating to me than like a Jennifer Lawrence type, even though, you know, I kind of funk with the Jennifer Lawrence, um, but the type of person who's going to be like, I'm eating all this food and like, I'm, you know, just so skinny, but you know, I'm just like you because I also have a sweet tooth and, you know, I get stressed out and my work is so hard, but like, I'm just like you, even though I make literally $15,000 in a day. As you know, it's like, we don't, we say that we want our celebrities to be relatable, but we really don't because there's so much about them that isn't relatable. At the end of the day, I want my celebrities to be entertainment. I've worked a long nine to five at this, you know, a miserable job. I just want to come home, get into a, uh, you know, big pair of underwear and a big gross t-shirt and I want to heat up some food and I want to scroll on Twitter and I want to see celebrities being crazy. So I'm really excited to see where this goes with Vanessa Hudgens. I want her to team up with Ellen and go to like one of those haunted houses where like Ellen tries to scare people because she's like sadistic and gets off on that shit. But instead of being scared, Vanessa Hudgens like falls in love with like one of the zombies. Like hire me. I could help get it done. I think it would be so fun. Okay, and then the only other thing I will plug is I recently listened to Julia Fox, Julia Fox and Nikki, someone, I forget her name, um, their podcast with Caroline Calloway. We've mentioned Caroline Calloway on here before. Please go check it out. It was a trip. Like I said, you know, I live for the entertainment and it was a very entertaining podcast. So it's just like a fun thing to have on as you clean around the house. So also fluentlyforward.substack.com. Every Friday, I send out a newsletter and we kind of keep the previous episode going where we can kind of talk in the comment section over there about the episode. I'll reveal more blinds from it that didn't have time to make it in. Also, we do have a subreddit, reddit.com. No, that's not how it works. Well, whatever. (laughs) The Fluently Forward is the name of the subreddit. You'll find it if you know Reddit. I pop on there sometimes and it's another place to chat with people about the episode. So thank you very much for listening. And I'm very, very excited for next week. You probably know already if you follow me on Instagram, but we are having Perez Hilton on and 
Let me just say, it's going to be a trip. So get ready for next week. And thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you guys later. Bye.